0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's tony Katz today that joe biden speech yesterday i think it's still kind of funny that the networks didn't carry it that the networks didn't carry the speech, I think, says a lot. But the speech itself, divisive, rambling, repetitive, 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 repetitive. Sorry, I was getting myself into a Biden loop. Angry. And and if you're going to discuss the soul of the nation, shouldn't you actually discuss the soul? We'll get more into this. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, uh, everybody? I mean, it was just not a speech worthy of our time or the times, and that's a serious problem. But I I wanted to go back and share with you a conversation that I had with Cam Edwards. He's the editor of BearingArms.com about Joe Biden on firearms, about where uh, the the Democratic Party is on firearms, about the problems because we got into earlier this week this, this idea, this conversation of what happens when either side of the aisle is getting to, um, acrimonious wasn't the word, but what happens when you engage in speech like calling one side fascists? And then we got into a conversation, well, what if you call people communists? Me, if I call somebody a communist, I'm backing it up with facts, logic, and reason. Um, reason I'm bringing data. So we got into this conversation. Listen. But guns are a good thing to campaign on. And he's going to go to Maryland and he's going to hold up Larry Hogan, the governor, in high esteem. And all of a sudden, lawful gun owners like you and me are in high esteem. Unless, of course, uh, we ask you to define what assault weapon is. And then you, you tell us that we're back in the fascist category. Uh, can you take any part of what Biden's saying with any level of seriousness?
1: Uh, I, I, listen, I believe he's serious about wanting to ban modern sporting rifles. I take him at his word at that, Uh, but as far as, you know, the rest of his argument, no. I think it's a fundamentally unserious argument. Uh, I think this is done to distract from inflation, from the economic worries that we all have. And, you know, from a political perspective, Tony, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I can tell you from a public safety perspective uh, and from a constitutional perspective, you know, going after the most commonly sold rifles in the country is a terrible, terrible idea.
0: The argument seems to be, as, as you, you watch him play it out and you watch uh, so much of where the commentary is going on a lot of uh, 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 non-Fox cable news, I guess is the way I, 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 I would put it. Your argument is that the Constitution protects these things, and their argument is uh, the Constitution. Uh, man, that thing's over a hundred years old. Uh, there is this very, very loud push to saying, "Let's forget about this." It mm-hmm. seems that he's trying to to split the baby and saying, "I support," uh, uh, you know. Uh, smart sensible gun ownership but not this thing over over here that that's lip service uh, more than anything else because he's part of a party that doesn't believe in the rights uh, to be to begin with what We've seen in New York that you have the governor there saying, well, just because we lost a major Supreme Court battle doesn't mean we're still going to try and keep guns from you. As a matter of fact, we'll check your social media accounts to see if you can have a firearm. What are you seeing out there where people are trying to find new, creative, inventive ways to tell lawful gun owners to go to hell?
1: Well, as like you say, they are coming up with all kinds of uh, new and creative ways to deny that our right to keep our arms is a real right. And that's what this is about. Look, I understand that Democrats, they don't care much about the Constitution. The, the constitutional argument uh, falls short uh, with them. It, it shouldn't, but it does. But here's the thing, Tony. You know, I, I can argue against a gun ban on non-constitutional grounds. I mean, the fact of the matter is that rifles of any kind, not just automatic rifles, but rifles of any kind, are used in a fraction of violent crimes in this country, a small number. There are more people murdered by fists or feet or by hammers or other blunt objects than rifles of any kind. So if this is a public safety argument. Then Biden's already lost because we can't ban our way to safety here. You know, most guns that are used in crimes are handguns. The Supreme Court has already said you can't ban handguns, and there's no desire uh, in this country on the part of Americans to ban handguns. But if you listen to Biden's rhetoric yesterday is very emotional. Uh, And it was all about, listen, if you don't want to see children murdered in their classrooms, then you've got to support this ban. Now, we know, Tony, that the last time we had an assault weapons ban in place, it didn't stop school shootings. Columbine happened in 1999, smack dab in the middle of that 10-year ban on the sale of so-called assault weapons and large capacity magazines. So don't tell me that we're going to protect our kids by banning guns Right, that are owned by millions of law-abiding Americans. That's not the way to protect our children. That takes us further away from the types of solutions that actually will work. The Secret Service wrote a report, I think it was two years ago, specifically looking at targeted school attacks. They found that over 90% of these attacks, the, the attacker had communicated their threats beforehand. There was a chance to stop these things from happening. Not by banning guns, not by criminalizing legal gun owners, not by demonizing the NRA. But by focusing on those troubled individuals and ensuring that there is an adequate response, either through law enforcement, the mental health services, the educational system, when those threats are identified. But, you know, again, this isn't I I, I honestly don't think this is about public safety. This is about politics for Joe Biden. And it's sad because, again, what Democrats are trying to do, take us further away from real solutions to protect our kids and protect the public.
0: Talking to Cam Edwards, he is the editor-in-chief at BearingArms.com. Let me give you another piece of Joe Biden speaking at this rally in
2: Pennsylvania. Over 48,000 people died from gunshot wounds in 2021 in the United States of America. Over 26,000 by suicide when guns are the number one killer, listen, listen, the guns are the number one killer of children in America, of children in number one. More children die from guns than active duty police and active duty military personnel combined. Hear that again? More children in America die from guns than active duty police and active duty military. In the United- Does he have the data right here? On guns and children?
0: If you defied children up to the age 19, uh, then
1: yes. Most people I know would call a 19-year-old an adult, uh, but that is the statistic. Zero to 19, the number one cause of death among uh, children and adolescents last year was firearms, closely followed, I believe, by uh, traffic fatalities. Uh, but, you know, Tony, here's the thing again you can stretch these statistics right if you if you make the cutoff 18 all of a sudden that number changes if you make the cutoff 17 that number changes again uh what what biden is talking about and really was driving that that number that he discussed is violent crime we're talking about gang-related shootings drug-related shootings you know young criminals basically who are engaging in an increasing number of carjackings home invasions and violent crime juvenile crime is up by a lot in a a number of cities around the country right now. Uh, And again, the way to address that is not through gun control. But you notice as well that Biden did a couple of things here, right? He talked about the overall number of gun deaths. He then talked about suicides. He then threw out the number of kids who are dying. All of this related to a ban on so-called assault weapons. And as I just mentioned, those guns aren't used in a lot of crimes. They're not used in a lot of suicides. They aren't found in a lot of accidental shootings. So Biden is completely conflating... These issues here and his proposed solution is meaningless when it comes to addressing the very things that he talked about. What's going to be more effective if you want to reduce the number of suicides in this country? Banning AR-15s or improving access to mental health?
0: So now we are left with what is the the, the future here on the Second Amendment and this talking point uh, that... Biden now wants to present that there's the right way to do it and then the bad way uh, to to do it. And if you don't agree with me, you're in favor of the bad uh, way uh, to to, to do it. It it, it would... there's the push to make this an election topic, and there's a question of whether or not we think this is a, an election topic that's going to move people. Do we think the, the Second Amendment or gun rights uh, are, are something that moves people to to this midterm? But then there's the realization. I mean, when you've got a, a guy in a party that is so willing to say, "If you disagree with me, you're a fascist. If you disagree with me, uh, you're, you're destroying a democracy. If you disagree with me, uh, not the Republic, democracy. If, if you disagree with me, uh, you're 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 an enemy and and you shouldn't be allowed to have a job or be on social media or do anything else um is is this the play we're now going to start seeing is this the natural progression of people who refuse to accept the fact that people may disagree with them is to uh, further demonize and end their ability to even participate in the public square
1: well listen that's happening on a bipartisan basis As you well know. Right. And when the political discussion turns into fascists versus commies, I don't think it uh, suits the republic well at all. But you're right. Joe Biden and the Democrats, this is part of their game plan. Uh, And, you know, Biden yesterday talking about, uh, well, you know, if you want to take on the government, you need an F-15. Why on earth is Biden talking like that? You know, if 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 Biden is concerned, we've seen these polls suggesting that maybe 40 percent of Americans think we're headed towards a civil war. Why isn't the president trying to de-escalate the rhetoric? Why isn't he trying to talk about coming together as Americans instead of, again, trying to divide us? So, yeah, the, the, the man has not met the moment, unfortunately, in the White House. Um, you know, we do not have the president that we need. We do not have the leadership that we need in Washington, D.C. right now. And I think things are only going to continue to get worse because this is part of the Democratic playbook. And, it's, look, it's, it's part of the political playbook overall. Demonize your political opponents. Uh, Don't allow them to be human. Don't allow them uh, to to have their own feelings or their own opinions. If they disagree with you, uh, they're not just wrong. They're the enemy. And yeah, that is the playbook that Democrats are running right now.
0: Allow me to disagree with you on something because I will discuss communism here, and I do often, and I discuss people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and I, I, I say that without shame. I say that without uh, apology when you take a look at their desires for government control, when you take a look at their desires for for full-on government health care or or uh, how they want to engage government in, in the banking industry, how they want to uh, follow and track every purchase uh, that, that, you, that you make. Uh, I can make the argument cogently that their policies are those uh, of communists, as opposed to the inability for anybody to make the argument that because I support the Second Amendment or I support uh, the idea, for example, if I supported tariffs as a way of bringing about better trade deals, uh, that uh, therefore uh, I'm a fascist. Or if I think that January 6th was a riot and not an insurrection, uh, therefore I'm a fascist. That Those are two very different thoughts and they're in two very different monikers and, and for, for different levels of application. I'm wrong?
1: Officials like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I mean,
0: you know, Tony, listen. If, if you can't acknowledge
1: that both sides play this game where we demonize everybody else on the other side rather than focusing on individuals like Elizabeth Warren or like Bernie Sanders, who, as you say, absolutely express communistic ideas. But both sides take these shortcuts. And, and I think it's wrong to deny that that happens. It's also wrong to do it, and the Democrats are doing it. But listen, I live in a country, I live in a county, I should say, that is roughly 50-50. We're one of those counties that went for Obama and then went for Trump. And I can tell you, I know plenty of Democrats who I live near, who are my neighbors, who are my friends, who aren't communists. They're, they're, they're not, and I'm not a fascist, and they don't call me a fascist, and I don't call them a communist. And we disagree with each other politically, but our political disagreements don't resemble the type of political disagreements that we see in Washington, D.C.
0: Now, that much is true. Right. Well, I, I've made this argument many times. Where we are with our neighbors, right? It's very different than what we see on cable news. But when I have the president referring to half the country as fascist, semi-fascist, which my argument has been, I do not know what semi-fascist means. I think it. You know, I'm excited, but I could use a little more foreplay. That's what I think. Semi-fascist. Is, is coming from. Uh, but when you see that and then you see the next day the attack on the Florida GOP headquarters, uh, right, of the vandalism and the doors glued together, uh, I don't know how you don't argue a level of correlation between the two.
1: Well, there may very well be a level of correlation between the two. I mean, listen, I'm not denying that the rhetoric coming out from the left is bad for this country. But I think we're seeing, you know, a lot of that again all over the place. I, 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 I worry that, uh, frankly, you know, across the political spectrum, there is more of a desire to punish your political enemies than there is to figure out a way to better uh, your party, better your community, better your country. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that serves us well at all, quite frankly. I'm a little concerned about the authoritarian impulses across the political spectrum.
0: So that was Cam Edwards, uh, BearingArms.com. What I like about Cam, what I've always appreciated about Cam, is that um, the the arguments he makes are, are sound, and they aren't based on a, a political ideology, they're based on a rationality. And sometimes we we disagree. I must say that I disagree. there is there is a difference. and and yes, if I'm talking about Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren uh, and 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 referring to them as communists based on their policies and attitudes, uh, that is accurate. If I refer to Antifa as fascists, as violent, based on their actions and their attitudes, I'm correct because I'm basing it on a thing. I base the group on a thing. The problem with Joe Biden engaging this idea of MAGA Republicans is that it cannot be defined. Who is a MAGA Republican? Who he decides is a MAGA, make America great again, that's MAGA, a MAGA Republican? The Democratic Party? CNN? MSNBC? It becomes a litmus test about whether or not you're one of the good ones, one of the good ones. Because he's making the argument that there are indeed good conservative Republicans, you know, the ones you can get along with. You mean the ones who do what you want done. You mean the ones who agree with you. Well, that's a that's a take, Joe Biden. But notice no one no one ever says, you know, the good Antifa. Antifa is, they are not anti fascists, they are fascists. They are who they are. They want to run around screaming, punch a Nazi. Well, who's a Nazi? Anybody who disagrees with them is a Nazi. That's actually not true, and it's denigrating the Holocaust, and it's disgusting, yet somehow we allow it in society. So there is a massive difference, and this is where uh, I, 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 thinking about that conversation with Cam, I know I need to to push back with him on, because there is a difference. If you argue uh, on, on the baseline that the more you turn up the heat, the less uh, opportunity you have to turn it down. I I agree that the rhetoric can create massive issues. I still believe people are responsible for their own actions. If you tell me uh, that you think, uh, you know, if you ask me do I think that Trump uh, really thought the election was stolen and is, is wicked angry about it and was saying it morning, noon, night and still is, yes. If you ask me do I think he incited an insurrection on January 6th, the answer is no. If you ask me if there was a riot on January 6th, I'll say the answer is yes. If you ask me who's guilty of that, I'll tell you the people who engaged the riot. I'll also then ask how come there wasn't extra security and all those other things, which are rational questions uh, because an investigation would ask those questions. But I don't not take the blame off of people who engaged the thing. The people who engaged in riots in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland are guilty. But it's not somehow something that we look the other way on like Biden did in the speech. He looked the other way on the riots. He looked the other way on on those who, uh, like uh, Hillary Clinton who blamed the Russians for the 2016 loss, Uh, Stacey Abrams who wouldn't accept the fact that she lost the gubernatorial race to Brian Kemp. No, no, no. He doesn't address those things. This is some of the conversation about the the honesty of what we're looking at there is a pox in everyone's house sure but we should name them all and we shouldn't be afraid to and we should note differences in what these poxes look like i don't know is that, is that a little uh esoteric we're gonna have more conversations keep it here i'm tony Counts. The jobs are, report I should say, is out. 315,000 jobs added. Professional and business services, healthcare, and retail trade. At the bottom, transportation and warehousing. I like seeing jobs, but I don't think the economy is in great shape. This is Tony Katz today. There were two parts to Joe Biden's speech that have to be addressed. The first are the actual words. What is it that the man said? And certainly you can address
2: how the man said it. And they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation For the 2022 and 2024 elections, they tried everything last time to nullify the votes of 81 million people. This time, they're determined to succeed in thwarting the will of the people. The other part, by the way, that was
0: was not an upbeat speech, by the way. Tony Katz, uh, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The other part was how it looked. Why would anybody allow this speech to go forward, where Joe Biden was made to look like a dictator out of comic books, and in some ways, real life? Noah Rothman joins us right now from Commentary Magazine. His latest book, "The Rise of the New Puritans," is available at Amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. Uh, you had a, a tweet yesterday, and I—I was—I'm paraphrasing it. Uh, right here, um, that this uh, speech was ill conceived and poorly delivered. And I think I- I'm playing it off too nicely. Your take on last night's 20 plus minutes from Joe Biden.
3: Yeah, ill conceived from conception to execution. Um, right. There was no point to delivering this speech. Indeed, if there was a point to it, it was not to address. The menace that the President set out to ostensibly address it was to make it worse. it was to bait Republicans into intensifying and accelerating their accretion around uh, donald trump 's orbit, uh, which I think a lot of analysis and mine including uh, contributes mightily to the Republican party's increasing electoral struggles in what should be a banner year for them. there was uh, uh, Jean Pierre, uh, press secretary said yesterday that this speech would hearken back to themes that the president set out to uh, invoke in 2017 after Charlottesville in twenty twenty one after the capitol riots um, and you know this is part of the same battle she said uh, what those two very traumatic events of street violence uh, required uh, sober minds and 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 caution and uh, and something from America's political officials to cool passion. Uh, They met the the president's addresses on those occasions, met the moment. What was this moment? What precipitated this event? Only, you can say, democratic political troubles. There was no violence. There's no outpouring of racial antagonism that moved the president to make this speech. Uh, January 6th, rioters are being prosecuted. The president himself finds himself in legal jeopardy. America's institutions are functioning just fine. The problem, as we seem to be addressing here, is the idea that Republicans exist and that they're probably going to do pretty well in the midterms, and you need to be angry, you need to be aggravated, you need to be terrified by that, and and save us from that political prospect. In other words, the menace that we're addressing is the idea that Republicans can bear legitimate elections, and that would be bad. Literally the opposite of what Joe Biden set out to do. If you believe, as I do, that there is an illiberal aspect that is rising to the fore on both of America's political fringes, and the right has its own illiberals, and that's a menace, you should be furious at the way Joe Biden cheapened and commodified your concern for the most parochial of benefits, his own political, his own p- p- party's political fortunes not even his own.
0: But we can argue, Noah, that, that if, if you believe and if you've been told that it's OK to quite literally dehumanize the people who disagree with you and calling somebody a fascist calling them a nazi is the way you dehumanize them then this was joe biden doing nothing more than speaking truth to power don lemon on cnn last night he had to speak the truth this was truth right no lies here that's the that is that is the argument that you get responded with well these people are fascists i mean they they it was an insurrection at, at, at the capitol uh, how do how do you respond to that well, Joe Biden
3: did not use the word fascist, obviously, or Nazi. Um, it is, however, implied because it harkens back to quite a lot of themes that are said by people on his side. But he didn't use those words. So let's give him a pass there. What he did is this perfunctory throat clearing by saying, you know, not all Republicans are, are mega Republicans. And then he proceeded to draw the largest possible circumference that he possibly could so that every conservative would be captured in this in this vein. He talked about how um, you know, He talked about street violence, which is absolutely unacceptable. And in the, uh, almost the same breath, he then went on to say that the same movement also wants to remove uh, – uh, take away your right to choose, take away your right to contraception, take away your right to marry who you love, which is a reference to uh, Clarence Thomas's concurrence in the Dobbs decision, which is, again, pretty much only his own decision, but it's a jurisprudential philosophy. To make you can disagree with that philosophy all you want, but to make the uh, the c- connection in voters' minds between the banal, mundane process of American jurisprudence and extra legal violence is incredibly reckless. He then subsequently went on to talk about how they had passed, you know, uh, infrastructure legislation and what have you. If you oppose that, well, you know, you're a little suspect too. And the goal here, the design here, was not to arrest the growth of the MAGA movement; it was to accelerate it. It was to drive as many Republicans as possible into the arms of Donald Trump because they believe it's good for their political prospects. It may be. It may well be. This may be deplorable 2.0. It may backfire on them. I don't know. But the goal here is about as base and perverse as you could possibly get in American politics. And anybody responsible for it should be defenestrated from the White House so they no longer have the capacity to debase the office of the presidency
0: talking to Noah Rothman commentary magazine the book the rise of the new puritans fighting back against progressives war on fun you can get that at amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. Uh, I made uh, the, the, this argument that when someone says to me, he's not talking about all Republicans, he's talking about MAGA Republicans, the question, of course, is then what makes a MAGA Republican? And I would reject the idea that I should hand over to the progressive left or anybody else the litmus test by which they decide for me whether or not I'm one of the quote unquote good Republicans. But you brought up, and a couple of people have been discussing this uh, starting last night. I, did a, I had my video out about it. The concept of taking the bait. So now play the one-two punch. What do you believe the bait is? And then part A, part B, what happens if, they t- if Republicans take it? And ha- what happens if they don't take it? What should they do?
3: The bait is uh, obviously to uh, get Republicans to be righteously self-indignant about the insults, the offense. That has been done to their voters, to their movement, to their leader in exile, Uh, subsequently rallying around Donald Trump and the Trump movement and erasing the distinctions in voters' minds between the Donald Trump movement and the Republican Party writ large. Uh, Democrats believe that's good for them. I don't know if I disagree with that. Uh, I don't think Dobbs moved the needle. We didn't see any movement in polling in the subsequent two months afterwards. Uh, I don't think the president's executive orders have moved the needle. Uh, i don 't think even candidate quality on the Republican side has moved the needle, though it has contributed to it. I think the republican party's swoon has a lot to do with the fact that Donald Trump has been a ubiquitous feature in American political life for the last six weeks, reminding Americans why they voted against this movement in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty that is the is the democratic idea here, and it 's incredibly cynical, but it may work because it but I'm very disappointed by the fact that it it could work, if it does work, because what we were privy to last night is the most hand-fisted, scene-chewing attempt at psychological manipulation and emotional blackmail that I've seen from a president in my lifetime. And if people take this obvious bait and do exactly what they want you to do, then you might suffer the consequences for it.
0: Be warned. Now, the taking of the bait is in your view saying that this uh, this uh, uh, offense cannot stand and Trump is our guy. What do you argue is the proper response to this? And a, and, a, and a proper response uh, I I would argue and make for for terrible radio is to say nothing, is to look at him and go, "Huh?" and then move on with your day. But that isn't the way things work. Uh I make uh, the argument that the proper response just to put it out there is the economy is horrible. People are suffering, yeah. and here are policies that can make things better if you vote for us. And we blunt what the policies that Joe Biden's put into place, which has made your life more difficult.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think it would be to you know posture righteously indignant and rally around the flag uh, of Donald Trump in particular. I think it would be, as you said, to turn the tables. Joe Biden, you want to talk about extra legal, unconstitutional uh, 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 conduct of of people in power? Look at your administration. Look at your executive orders on a moratorium on vaccination mandates or eviction moratorium, vaccination mandates, and most likely this, this debt cancellation maneuver, which is blatantly contemptuous of the Constitution. And as you say, the economy, national security, um, uh, social services that actually serve the public and not some uh, esoteric social justice initiative. This is the sort of stuff that put Republicans in a position to destroy Democrats in November. They have subsequently stopped making this case, in part because they have another case to make, which is Donald Trump's, uh, you know, uh, persecution and his and his uh, his offense, the offense that the Justice Department has done to him. Nobody's turning out in November to vote against the Justice Department. Zero people are voting against the Justice Department. You want to make a case in the midterms? Make the case for the midterms. And Republicans have sort of stopped doing that. This is a perfect opportunity to pivot off this really. Again, ham-fisted effort to capitalize on the political conditions abroad, and actually remind voters why they spent the last eighteen months souring on Joe Biden.
0: One other thing I want—I want to get to as as we we break down the, this speech that uh, I I do believe was angry, I do believe was divisive. I would argue was remarkably repetitive. He it, it, this was twenty four twenty five minutes, and he hit the same phrases three or four times uh, in in this speech, who engaged the stagecraft that would put him front and center behind the podium with the presidential seal with the background of Independence Hall awash in blood red flanked by two Marines?
3: Yeah, I, I don't understand uh, who did the advance work on on, on this. Thank Kilo Ren. It, it was, it was <laughs> Terrifying. And, uh, yeah, as you say, this is a bait and switch. I mean, this administration's baiting and switching has become a a feature of it. You know, we only learned that this was – that the uh, Inflation Reduction Act was the most historic climate change bill that had ever been passed after it was passed. Right. Um, But the press press seems to have lost a little bit of enthusiasm for that sort of uh, look-the-other-way mentality here because a lot of prominent figures in cable news and reporters are, uh, uh, you know, noting, with varying degrees of outrage – that uh, using, uh, billing this campaign event as a White House event and festooning yourself with the trappings of taxpayer-funded power while delivering this uh, campaign trail sermon uh, is a norm violation, changes the rules of engagement, and uh, is something that Joe Biden said that he would not do it. Look, here he is, he's doing it. Uh, Only a partisan, a blinkered partisan could look past that. And reporters are actually not, surprisingly enough. I don't think there's any way, any aspect of this speech that wasn't a historic blunder uh now whether that manifests in ways that republicans can take advantage of that's on them i have absolutely no faith they will but they could because this was a big mistake
0: before i i, I let you go um when we talk about mistakes and I, and I don't disagree and I don't disagree that the Republican party uh, can screw this all up and they shouldn't. Uh, It just, it requires being methodical and allowing yourself to put Trump to the side and focus on what, what matters. There was the realization that ABC, NBC, CBS didn't cover this. This was a cable news speech the president wanted primetime, took primetime, but didn't get primetime on the networks. What do you take from that? I, I don't know. It's pretty interesting.
3: Um, they possibly could have had the uh, a preternatural sense that what they were going to be privy to wasn't a newsmaking event. Um, I certainly got that sense. And it's interesting to see the networks decide not to preempt coverage for it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you had the— uh, you had. There was again. There was no precipitating event for this. The only precipitating event is Democrats' political peril, which is as cheap as you can get for it to uh, as a platform to launch into this tirade against your fellow Americans. Um, so maybe they had the assumption that the president was about to step on a landline, um, and if they, that's not going to save them because you know you're going to see the clips uh, going, you know, moving forward. But quite possibly they had the poor sense that joe biden was about to do something spectacularly stupid
0: and tried to protect him from getting the biggest audience possible again pushing the idea that uh yeah it's a, it's uh the mainstream media is a part and parcel of the democratic party and in the minds of a lot of people and that's an interesting take they so they didn't take it not because it wasn't going to be interesting but because it was protectionary noah also, Rothman. It wasn't going to be interesting what was that <laughs> Also, it wasn't going to be interesting. interesting. Noah Rothman, uh, the book, The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against Progressives, War on Fun. Get that at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. The answer is brisket. The question, Tony, what are you doing for Labor Day? Brisket. People, 18 and a half pounds of beautiful, glorious, sensational brisket. I am ready. I am ready. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Uh, here's 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 how, how it works. Um, uh, there'll be a little bit of trimming, right? Because I got some of that fat out of there. Not all of it. You certainly want some. Uh, and there's going to be trimming. Let's say there's going to be a pound of trimming. All right, 17 and a half pounds. We'll call it 17 pounds just, just amongst friends. Uh, uh, kosher salt, black pepper. That is it. That is all, nothing else, uh, kosher salt, black pepper. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm telling you how I am uh, doing it. And then uh, on the smoker, uh, there, I, I use a pellet. I don't say the brand because until they become a sponsor, they get no love from me whatsoever. Uh, and then uh, I'm actually going to start that Sunday night. I was going to do it at 8 p.m. I'm going to start at 6 p.m. So uh, as that's that's where I'm at because I figure if it's 17 pounds, and you need at least an hour a pound, that's 17 hours. So that'll take me to one o'clock, two o'clock. Um, you know what? I may have to put it on earlier now that I just did the math. I may I may do it. At, I may start it at four, right? Because that figure it's gonna need 18. That'll put me at noon. That means I can let it rest for three hours, and I could be carving uh cutting and and serving at 305 that means I could be in my food coma by 350. and that way everything plans out you know what maybe I'll start it tonight I now I'm all now I'm all in a place but it's gonna be good it's gonna be good I hope you have a wonderful Labor day and if you if you want to come over um uh I'm I'm busy I'm sorry but maybe another time Maybe another uh, time. Find everything at tonycats.locals.com. Tonycats.locals.com. Have a good Labor Day. Take care.